I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you'll learn about a possible breakthrough in the fight against Strep A, a new theory on the demise of the dinos, and how pied tamarins communicate in a noisy city. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. By some counts, Group A Streptococcus hits about 700 million people a year and kills more than 500,000 people. That's the bacteria that causes strep throat, right? Yeah. It's also known as strep A for short, and it's pretty nasty, as anyone who's had strep throat can attest. But the thing is, strep throat is just the tip of the iceberg and is pretty mild compared to the other stuff this little bacteria does to the human body. It can trigger cellulitis and blood infections, toxic shock syndrome, and it can even lead to necrotizing fasciitis, which is also known as flesh-eating disease. Okay, as if just strep throat isn't bad enough. Basically. And repeated infections can lead to a whole bunch of other problems like rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease. All right, so far, this story isn't exactly uplifting. Like, I'm hoping (laughs) this is the part where you spring the good news on us. Yay! Well, see, you know me too well, but it's not just good news. It could actually be a total breakthrough. Researchers at Griffith University's Institute for Glycomics have published preclinical research showcasing a brand new experimental vaccine that could keep you from getting strep in the first place. Okay, that sounds promising. But the vaccine itself isn't even the biggest part of the story. They figured out a way to deliver this vaccine as a spray into the nasal passage. This would be the world's first vaccine to target the upper respiratory tract. Wow. So if I'm getting this right, that would mean that this delivery system could be used to fight other illnesses. That is exactly right. If you think about it, most infections from bacteria like strep A are spread through direct contact with mucus from the nose or throat of an infected person. This new approach puts the vaccine right where it can have the biggest punch. I see. You put the vaccine basically where the bacteria causes all the havoc. But doesn't the vaccine just wash away after you spray it up there? Like, does the protection actually last? Right. Okay, so that's a good question. So it's not actually the vaccine that's fighting off the bacteria. The vaccine teaches your immune system how to fight the bacteria all on its own. And according to early trials, this vaccine has proven to stimulate a strong protective immunity locally, like in the nose and upper respiratory passage where it counts. Got it. So when can I get my nose sprayed? I'll say there's even more good news. Human trials are taking place in Canada as we speak. The research team has found that the vaccine and this new method of delivery has resulted in some pretty long-lasting immunity, even up to a year after being administered. So if human trials keep showing results like this, it will be something to keep your eye out for in the next few years. And if it works, maybe we'll have vaccines for other upper respiratory gunk in the not-too-distant future. Around 66 million or so years ago, about 75% of All life on Earth blinked into extinction, marking the end of the Cretaceous period. As long as scientists have known that fact, they've argued over the cause of that mass extinction event. Now, we've talked about this before. This is when the dinosaurs disappeared. It was an asteroid, right? That's probably the most popular theory out there, or at least it was until now. 
A research team has tried out a brand new approach to cracking this nut, and their findings suggest that the asteroid isn't our culprit. Wait, so what the heck caused the dinosaurs to go extinct? Was it, like, junk food? (laughs) Not quite. Try volcanoes. At least, that is what this new study suggests. Sure, all right. I mean, that would be an explosive discovery. Uh, Oh, goodness, Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to be doing this all day. Um, But I'm having trouble figuring out just how they would be able to know that. Uh, What goes into a discovery like this? That's actually one of the coolest things about this study. The researchers knew that there is so much heat behind this debate. Okay, so you're joining in, too. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted to do everything they could to take human bias out of the equation. So they let the computers work it out for them. Wait, what? Yeah, so let's back up a second. The prevailing theory of the extinction is that something caused a massive burst of gas to erupt into the Earth's atmosphere, which in turn caused deep climate impacts. Carbon dioxide caused the atmosphere to heat up, and the oceans turned acidic with sulfur dioxide. In other words, the climate that the dinosaurs found just so appealing suddenly changed, and away they went. So the debate has always been, how did all that gas get into the atmosphere? Got it. So it would make sense that the two main suspects would be volcanoes and an asteroid. Yep. Specifically, a whole bunch of volcanic eruptions called the Deccan Traps eruptions in what is now western India spewed gas into the atmosphere for a million years or so. And a single enormous asteroid in Mexico that created the Chicxulub Crater The research team analyzed cores from deep ocean sediments, which painted a picture of gas bursts to the atmosphere from back in those days. So where does the computer come into play? They used a really complex statistical model to figure out the probabilities between the two different scenarios, volcanoes versus asteroids. A 128 processors ran model after model in parallel, comparing results the whole time. The sheer amount of computing in this study is really something to behold. It would usually take a year or more to get the results that they got in just a couple of days. So the computers picked the volcanoes as our winner. Yep. According to the models, an asteroid couldn't possibly have produced enough of this gas to cause all of those changes. But a million-year-long volcano party? You bet. (laughs) Okay, so this whole time I've been imagining a devastating asteroid screaming through the atmosphere and wreaking havoc when I should have been imagining just huge bursts of lava? (laughs) Maybe. But guess what? Not all scientists buy into this new data. Oh, sure. So it's a new debate. I'm afraid so. Other researchers are quick to point out that the output of a computational model is only as good as the input. Aha. So in other words, the data they fed the computers might not be the holy grail of extinction-level climate data. Bingo. It's possible their ocean cores didn't tell the whole story. Plus, while the asteroid wouldn't have kicked out enough CO2 to cause lasting climate change, It probably did coat the planet in a thick cloud of dust, which could have reduced sunlight by up to 20%. Whoa, okay, and that would have had a big effect, right? Yep, and it would have happened in a flash. The speed of that effect would have been catastrophic. So let me see if I've got my head around this. When I'm trying to envision the extinction of the dinos, should I be picturing an asteroid or a volcano? How about both? Both. Both is good. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
In the Brazilian Amazon, there is a feisty, noisy little primate called the pied tamarin, and researchers have recently been surprised by changes in the way they communicate. I know about tamarins. They're super cute little primates. They look like squirrel-sized people, kind of. Okay, well, agree to disagree. I don't particularly think tamarins are all that cute, but I know a lot of people do. So there are at least 45 different species of tamarin, and they all are pretty wild-looking. Some of them have, like, a huge handlebar mustache and look like a distinguished mayor of a town straight out of a Dr. Seuss book. And the pied tamarin totally has its own vibe, too. They have black, hairless heads and ears, white chests and arms, and sort of brownish backs— They definitely have the look of like a very concerned, very serious little guy scampering through the forest. But the thing is, they're not just wandering through these forests anymore. And that's what first caught researchers' attention. What, are they all moving out? Not exactly. We're moving in. Oh, yeah, that's something we talk about a lot. Human development is really wreaking havoc on the natural habitats of just so many wild animals. And for the pied tamarind, that's really bad news. They are listed as critically endangered due at least partly to loss of habitat, among other reasons. And as they are faced with totally new environments, like think honking horns and bustling urban landscapes, they have to rethink how they communicate. So, all right, how do they communicate in the first place? That's a great question. So these guys are incredibly social. They run around in small cooperative groups of between, uh, say, 2 and 15. And fun fact, each little cluster is led by an alpha female who's the only female allowed to mate and give birth. They are highly territorial, and they're known for their high-pitched vocalizations. Turns out they have about 12 different types of vocalizations, and they use those to communicate all sorts of things. Like, hey, come eat this food, or stay away, scary stuff over here. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And they also uh, squeal for snuggles and attention and other stuff. Like I said, they are really social little guys. So in addition to the vocalizations, they also use body language. So with the volume of their world going up and up, researchers wanted to know if they would rely more heavily on body language or use other means of communication, like spreading their scent in the environment. Right, like if, you know, if you're at a noisy party and you need to get your friend's attention across the room, you can't really say something necessarily, but you might wave at them. Yeah, well, the researchers assumed that these pie tamarins would turn their voices down as the noise went up and try a different approach. So they followed nine groups over the course of a year using radio callers and observed their communication patterns. The question was, would the world of humans force them to change the way they talk to each other? Okay, so did they become mimes, playing intricate games of monkey charades? Okay, so not exactly. <laughs> they didn't get quiet. They just started using their butts. Like, <laughs> like... Dancing like bees? (laughs) I wish. (laughs) So, they didn't stop chattering at each other. Instead, they would also rub their chests and butts on the ground in trees to spread this super smelly, waxy stuff to signal their pals where they were headed. (laughs) All right, so they just added a new way to communicate on top of their old way. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. This kind of study is so essential as more and more animals are finding themselves critically endangered. In order to help understand them, it's important to understand how they are naturally adapting to the encroaching humans around them and to the changing habitats they're facing. And I guess if your friend doesn't hear you yelling and if they don't see you waving, you can just uh, do a little crop dusting to get their attention. Solid plan. (sighs) Pie tamarins have so much to teach us. Maybe don't. Hmm. (laughs) Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. A groundbreaking nasal vaccine currently advancing in clinical trials offers hope for long-term protection against the deadly Streptococcus A bacteria. This is potentially the world's first nasal vaccine that targets the upper respiratory tract and could pave the way for other breakthroughs in our fight against other respiratory infections. 
Researchers used advanced computational models to probe the age-old mystery of what wiped out the dinosaurs 66 million years ago, concluding that massive volcanic eruptions in India might have been the sole culprits. While the Deccan Traps eruptions are now under the spotlight, the notorious asteroid impact in Mexico still retains some proponents, highlighting the ongoing debate in the scientific community. Amidst the clamor of urban noise pollution in Brazil's Manaus, pied tamarins are adapting by complementing their vocal danger calls with scent markings. By rubbing a stinky, waxy substance from their chests and butts onto the ground and trees, these critically endangered primates can signal directions to their pals, demonstrating resilience and adaptability in a changing world. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can find our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we love if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Our Discovery executive producer is Dominique Vu. Our Wheelhouse DNA executive producer is Cassie Berman. This show is hosted by Callie Gate and Nate Bonham. Our producer is Kiara Noni, and our associate producer is Kimaya Floyd. Writing is done by Sam Osterhout. Sound design, audio engineering, and editing by Nick Karasimi. I'm Nate Bonham. And I'm Callie Gade. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.